Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malkin. Today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as Deputy Editor at Pedestrian Daily, Reared Me Ugly Head in At Guardian Oz, At SBS, At The Monthly, Museum Magazine and elsewhere. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, James Hennessy. G'day, how are we doing? I am doing very well, James. Even better for having the chance to speak with you. But I'll start with this question for you. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Oh, James or JR, do you mean? Um, Yes, all of those things. uh, It kind of varies. James is sort of uh, how I normally would. Um, the, I guess with me, it's, um, JR was sort of what I started writing under a long time ago. Um, yes. I, I can't even remember exactly why that was, to be honest. I don't think there's any particularly strong reason the more that I think about it, but it's sort of just, it became a very interesting division where JR was sort of my writing stuff, um, my sort of formalized writing stuff, I guess. Mm. And then James was just the way I would sort of uh, introduce myself socially. And some of my writing stuff would go under that name as well. I don't even know what the division is anymore, really. But uh, <laughs> yes. I suppose that at, at some point it probably was formalized, but I've forgotten it now. Um, but that's fine. Uh, well, when I do my stuff now as a deputy editor at Pedestrian, I tend to be James. Yes. But when I do my freelance stuff, I tend to be JR. There's no reason for that. In fact, it's probably quite detrimental to... <laughs> <laughs> to my to my writing to like the way I you know hold myself normally but you know what this is I'm going to keep going with it because the moment you admit you're wrong everything falls to pieces so you're just going to pretend that it's all good and keep going maintain the rage maintain the rage yeah exactly the uh, the the benefit I think it brings to you also is that uh if um something is written by JR Hennessy and uh it becomes uh an internet black hole of vortex of hate that's not me that's that guy yeah it's a different guy it's a different uh different aspect i guess but like you know there's lots of people that i've met through writing and through those sort of circles who only Mm. know me as jr so it's just yeah that's just the way it is now so and i'm happy with it i respond to anything i have the same name as my dad so it's good to have a bit of a bit of a difference i think Oh great! And you weren't determined to be James the Second or anything like that, well, James Junior. Well, I don't know. He's he's Jim anyway, so I guess it's not even that relevant. <laughs> oh, hang on. Let's compare birth certificates here. Is he Jim on the birth certificate? No, he's James. He's definitely James. So if we were both hauled in front of a court of law, we're both James Hennessy. Nice. So you are JJR or JRRJ? I don't know. I'm losing numbers. JRJR maybe. There's an even third opportunity for you to write under. Yeah, absolutely. If the, you know, if I wanted to write something truly offensive or whatever, <laughs> I, I needed a third identity for it, and I suppose I could do that. Have you always written? Yeah, um, I guess I'm one of those people who that's sort of been my skill. Everything that I can do well tends to go pivot around that communication yeah. and writing. So it's just sort of something I've always done. Um, uh, and not even necessarily creative writing. I mean, a lot of people, when they talk to you, they say they always, when they talk to talk writing, they say they always uh, be interested in short stories, etc. That sort of writing. Mm. But, you know, that was never really me. 
I you know I dabbled, but it wasn't my kind of thing. It's just um I've always um, gravitated towards non-fictional writing, comedy, that sort of stuff. Um, so and so yeah, I've I've always done that. Who do you remember uh, reading that you think of or, or look to as inspirations? Um, this is going to sound quite interesting, I think, because although I can remember reading sort of news and journalism from a like, very, very young age, that's sort of what I remember, where, mm-hmm. where some people would remember reading fictional, like fiction, great fiction, um, when they're much younger. I remember reading the news, um, and I do remember reading fiction as well. In fact, probably the biggest influence for me is when I dug into my mum's crate of books when I was maybe eight or nine years old, um, and yeah. she, she had a massive collection of Stephen King books. Oh, great! So I would, although I, I did go through the standard sort of, um, you know, young adult fiction that you would expect a lot of people would go through. You, you, you read mm. everything that everyone else is reading as well. So, you know, I was a voracious reader. I read lots of things. But those ones were really, were probably my first exposure to something that could be described as, you know, adult literature. Um, sure. And I still find, I, I still hold them very dear to my heart. I, I, I revisit them, you know, every now and then. Um, some of them I haven't gone back to in a long time. But I, I think that's, that in conjunction with the fact that my my father is a, an enormous horror buff, and those were movies that I watched a lot of when I was when I was younger. Um, mm. and, oh, that's kind of coloured a lot of the things that I've been interested in since then. Stuff that's a little bit you know weird or off the wall, weird fiction, science fiction, horror, things like that. And that's kind of like my my baseline. Um, and then when I was older, I would get into you know um, I would go through that phase where I read lots and lots of literary fiction and got caught up on all that sort of stuff. But my core is still very like schlocky and pulpy. That's kind of what I um, and I, I think that probably has more influence on me than I would care to admit. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. How are you with clowns or spiders? Um, I'm mostly indifferent to them. I can't say they've actually had a lasting psychological impact on me to be honest man uh, there's been i don't know varying reasons why people have had to post clowns or something in it on twitter recently and i've seen the clown uh from stephen king's it pop up a couple of times and just went yeah no like i have no issues with clowns but that clown gets me every Can't time deal with it. Yeah, oh, just the just the look that sinister look particularly the shot uh that would appear uh, in the film um, uh, of it peering through the grate oh, yeah. on the side of the road. Oh, man. That's classic stuff. I mean, once I um, was exposed to... Well, I read it at a very young age as well. Um, probably I would have been maybe 11 when I read that, um, which is quite a quite an undertaking in retrospect. It's a very, very long book. It's I think it's over a thousand mm-hmm. pages. It's way too long. He needed a better editor. He didn't, he didn't have one yes. that period in his life, I don't think. Um, and he was doing a lot of cocaine as well, so... You know that always that always just helps. writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I remember, you know, once I read that book once uh, when you were playing backyard cricket or whatever, and a ball went down the sewer drain. That was sort of went down the rain grate. That was it. The the ball was yeah, gone. Ball's gone. Ball's gone. Um, you have to you have to sort something else out at that point. While it's it's not horror um, per se, there's certainly some scary elements. Have you seen uh, Netflix's Stranger Things? Yeah, no, um, I really enjoyed that. 
It was kind of like one of those things. I think I, I tweeted it when I when I first saw it. I was like, well, a lot of people actually said this. They're like, this looks like a show that was made for me. Um, <laughs> and it kind of it, it, it ticks all the the boxes of the stuff that I was really interested in when I was a kid. Um, yeah, you know, uh, and continue to be interested in. You know, like that that kind of aesthetic, that sort of John Carpenter film, Stephen King novel, sort of Steven Spielberg esque. Um, focused on childhood because you know it's, it's kind of interesting um um a lot of characters in in stephen king books a lot of characters in you know um another one when I, that I read when i was even younger than that was goosebumps i think a lot of people went through goosebumps yeah you know um that sort of thing about you know young kids who are probably you know eight to twelve years old encountering you know science fiction or horror setting has a bit of a resonance with a lot of people, I think. And that, I think Stranger Things taps into that. Um, that sort of Spielbergian mm. aspect too. And, you know, there are, people have tried to capture it before. Um, like, you know, J.J. Abrams did um, Super 8, which is basically yep. the same sort of thing. It's essentially Stranger Things. You know, they're both, they're both trying to do the same thing. Um, but I think Stranger Things did a lot better. And it resonated with a lot of people. And I think a lot of people who hadn't watched all of those films when they were younger. I don't know. There's something about it that I think um, people find quite compelling. The thing that struck me about Stranger Things was that it seems to to walk across a very fine line where it could have gone down, you know, the freaky, jumpy, scary moments a lot deeper than it did. Certainly it had them and I think it needed to. Uh, But it also didn't stay on the everything, oh, you know, this is like an eight-year-old kid sort of sci-fi movie. Uh, or sci-fi series it's it's there's some pretty serious stuff in there not least of which is talking about relativity <laughs> and other universes and those sorts of things i had flashbacks to interstellar um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but the, the 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 monster and and you know the upside down were just so full-on um i could easily see people who got into the series thinking it was you know this little sort of stand by me-ish et-ish kind of thing yeah that very quickly went, that just freaked me out. Yeah, I can probably see that. It does have those... Um, yeah, no, it, it definitely has more of like a harder... You know, I mentioned John Carpenter, that kind of vibe mm-hmm. too. Um, you know, that very... Um, he's He is one of my favourite directors. Very, very yeah. close to one of my favourite directors. I'm quite influenced in, in like a number of... In a lot of my tastes since then. I watched a lot of those movies when I was younger too. And I think there's that that comes through as well. Stuff that's, you know, maybe a little bit um, sentimental. I won't say schlocky, but I guess it's a little bit schlocky. Same Stranger Things is definitely a little bit schlocky in the way that it approaches things. But it has, like, yeah. an element of, like, hard sci-fi and horror that might be a little bit, you know, confronting for people that don't normally watch that sort of thing. Yeah, the monster was so good. The first time I saw its face, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Given that you were exposed to um, some fairly serious writing, and, and you know you're into it, your dad, you know, like you said, read uh, read a lot and was into the, the horror sort of genre thing. Now, as an adult, mm. what scares you? Jeez, that's a, a a big question. I'm actually, I don't know. I'm, it's not something that I really pause to think about. Um, mm. What scares me? I don't know. I guess it's for my... Um, it's probably... Uh, a lot of people of, of sort of my generation, or I guess, you, could, you know, Gen Y, millennials or whatever, tend not to think about um, 
fears in that kind of concrete way. I guess it's a lot more abstract. We we have so many financial concerns and so many like the you know we we're <laughs> seeing the world in in upheaval politically, socially, you know, economically that we don't our fears are, are externalized. They're not really we don't really think about them in the same way. Um, mm, buying a house in Sydney that's scary that's terrifying terrifying stuff <laughs> in a very very real and palpable way like this we have material concerns that we need to be confronting that aren't <laughs> you know um, interdimensional monsters um, yeah I don't know like for me that's that's what I'm preoccupied with you know um, and I spend a lot of time thinking about it um, yeah I would that that would be my answer I think I I continue to see the reports um i i pay a mortgage in brisbane for my place yep. uh that has you know me my wife and my kids in it and i look at uh, sydney and and my wife has always said we're never moving to sydney it's too big and those sorts of things and i kind of look at sydney and go, well it's not even that i just look at sydney and go we would never get a house anywhere near anywhere that i got a job yeah no it's um yeah that's absolutely the case and it's it it I kind of just resigned myself to the fact that I, with the way that I live my life and the way that I'm oriented to when it comes to financial matters, which is somewhat frivolous, I would say very frivolous, mm. you know, for for the whatever meager stipend I get, um, I don't. I just consider I, I probably won't ever own a house, and I've sort of just like resigned myself to that fact. I don't even think about owning one. It's not. I don't even have it on my short, medium, or long term radar. Just not something I think about. My brother, younger brother, actually, has bought it like an apartment, but that's based on the fact that he is a very, very good saver. He's a he doesn't go out a whole lot. He's lived at home for a long time. I, I moved out quite a while ago, mm-hmm. but that, you know that's part of his. You know that's something that he was very, very focused on, and something that he really, really wanted and really wanted to make happen. Which I don't think a lot of people you know, in young people nowadays, it's not part of their must-haves like it was in the past. And a lot of sure. that's because it's difficult. House prices are difficult. The, the market is difficult. The economy is difficult. Um, but also, it's just part of like it's just a, a reprioritization as well. And for me, it's just not something that I. I don't see myself owning a, owning a house. It seems beyond the realm of possibility to me. And not just because it's hard, but also just not even in my frame of thinking. Yeah. Man. <laughs> wow. James, what happened last time your heart was broken? What happened last time my heart was broken? Um, that's a great question, actually. Um, last time my heart was broken. Um, Damn, that's a big that's a big one. Last time my heart was broken. You see, I'm um one of those people that I guess you could say I'm a bit like a daisical when it comes to matters of the heart. That's mm-hmm. that sounds really intense actually. But it's just like, you know, it's not something that I'm 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 very casual and open to whatever comes when it comes to my relationships with other people. Um, sure. I'm a, and a lot of, some people might say that it's a bit aloof or like uh, uh, that I I might have like a, a lack of commitment, but I don't really think about it that way. I think about it so that I'm 
one, one way that I, I like to always describe when I tell people is that I don't have, for example, an ex-girlfriend or something like that that I don't ever speak to. Mm-hmm. I don't have yep. an ex-girlfriend that I'm not friends with now. Um, I, I don't really close those chapters on my, on my life like that. Um, it's almost like I, I very... People drift in and out of my life in a very fluid and happy kind of way. I can't even... When, I, when you say, when was the last time your heart was broken, I can't even pinpoint anything like that. Um, yeah. And it's not because I don't experience things like that. It's just because um, I don't think about it that way with myself at all. Um, I consider myself someone who just takes things as they come. People that come into my life tend not to leave it. Yeah. You know? And not it's because I just don't have the kind of expectation, and I don't put things in a box like that. It's such a it's such a vague and rambly way of talking about it, but I hope you understand what I meant. No, I I think that's a fair um, expression of uh, you know your experience. It, it doesn't matter what I think about it necessarily. <laughs> that's how you um, have relationships with people, and that's how your your friendship group exists so that's totally fine yeah absolutely i think it's exactly what it is um yeah no i'm i'm very i'm very content with things like that always are you a uh did you did you have a gap year coming out of high school or university i didn't and the reason that i didn't is um i knew that if i did that i would never return to studies (laughs) yes and like I knew that if I took a year off and went traveling, um, that would just set the trajectory for my life from then on. And that's not necessarily bad. Like, I don't think that would have been a bad thing at all. And sure. sometimes, I, sometimes I think about that would have been really cool. I could have just gone off and started writing and things like that. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to knuckle down and I'll get a degree or whatever. So I'm going to go to uni and I'm just going to hammer it out until I have that in my hand and then I'll then I can go off, you know, I can sort of um, untether myself, do the, do the gap year sort of things, but with the knowledge yeah. that I've got that baseline and can return to it. And I, you know, I, I've kind of done that. Um, I went to uni, I was there for five years, I got my degree in media um, from University of Sydney, and then after that, I don't think I've really gotten any jobs since then that have been a direct consequence of having that degree, but I'm glad that I did it. I met a lot of great people. Um, I learned that I certainly got something out of it, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. Like, I can say that there are things that I learned that I did. Yeah. Um, and I've sort of... Now I feel like I can sort of untether myself a bit. And, um, yeah, I just felt like, yeah, if I had gone straight out of school, I'd, I don't know where I would be. Maybe I'd be somewhere quite similar. But at least now I know that I, I did the the thing that would have gnawed at me forever if I hadn't done it. Where is... Uh, what are some of your favourite places to travel to? Um, I'm a big fan of travelling to, to the US. I'm a, mm-hmm. a huge fan of the US. I find it a, Amen, brother. Yeah, I just find it a really interesting and fascinating country in a lot of ways. And uh, I don't think there's anywhere quite like it. We often don't think about it that way because it's quite similar to us culturally. You know, as much as we try to... Um, draw distinctions in a lot of ways we are very similar to the Americans Mm. Um, but even with that in mind I find America to be 
just a completely bizarre place. You know, I've travelled to a lot of places. Um, I've been to, uh, I've been to, around Europe. Um, I've been to, I've been through Southeast Asia. Um, and I, I love those places and I would love to return to those places too. Um, but last year I went to the US for three months, um, just zigzagging around from New York to Los Angeles. And um, I had a really, really great time. So obviously I had a really great time because you can't spend three months in the, in the US and not have a great time. But I don't know. It's just um, something so much about that country I, I deeply detest and am revulsed by. And I think that's a natural <laughs> response. But I find it very compelling also. What is it that uh, you think has the magnetism, has that draw on you? Um, I think the thing that gets me is that the US is like, you know, if, if Europe had been forced to coexist in one nation hmm. for hundreds of years, you know, I mean, like obviously Europe has yeah. its own countries with its own cultures. America has so many bizarre and clashing cultures that are forced to coexist in a really bizarre way yeah. and there's so much variation you know you can you can go from new york to somewhere like new orleans and you, you feel like you're in a totally different country mm. um but it's not a different country and the people that live in new york and new orleans are forced to make collective decisions in a way that you know the people that live in great britain and say lithuania are not um and i, f I find that to be quite interesting i find like that deep clash of culture to be very interesting and obviously it, mm. it, it engenders a lot of conflict that i'm speaking from a position of you know probably great privilege in, in in going to and saying you know i can go to the u.s for three months after living in you know the relative stability of australia with its far better healthcare system its far better wage system all that sort of stuff but yeah i don't know i, I just find it something about it compels me in a way that no other country does um it's just, it's, it's a very, very madcap nation. Yeah, bloody hell yeah. Is there a specific uh, meal that uh, if you were to sit down and have served to you, you'd say, this is America, this is what I, this is the meal I have to have and I'm in America and I know I'm, I'm in America because of it? Well, there's one thing I did when I was, was actually there is I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to lots of places, which I obviously did. Yes. And every time I go somewhere, I'm going to try try the dish of that city you know i'm mm -hmm. gonna try what people say you know people say you go to chicago you gotta have a deep dish pizza you gotta have a um italian beef yep they've all got their own things and very quickly i was confronted with the fact that no matter where i went whatever whether it was you know a big major city or a much smaller town and i would ask for their regional dish one thing that was a kind of uniting factor amongst all of them is that they were all extremely bad for you. <laughs> they were they were all they were all heinous heinous meals yep. that could only have been conceived of with malice, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, At least malice towards your intestines. Malice towards my intestines. So when I think the one that actually does keep coming back to me is actually the Italian beef in. Chicago, and the reason that mm. comes back to me, and I suppose you could say probably the same thing of a like a Philly cheesesteak or something, 
just because it's oh yeah the it's a it's a food that is has no right to exist <laughs> yes and it's and it's actually deeply insulting to i think all of humanity that somebody actually conceived of it and thought it appropriate so the Italian, you know, obviously the, the, beef, the Italian beef, it's similar to a Philly cheesesteak. Long white roll, it's just stuffed full of beef in some configuration. Um, mm. Topped off with cheese, and then the whole sandwich is taken and dipped in gravy. Oh, God. Which, well, they, they asked me, they said, would you like it dipped? And I said, yes, naively, not knowing what that even meant. But I thought, yeah. you know, if, if I'm, you know, when in Rome, do as the yeah. Romans do. I'll have my sandwich dipped. And they proceeded to dip it into a vat of gravy. And I was like, wonderful. That, to me, is America. You take something that's already far too much heinous creation and you make it not just a little bit worse, but dramatically so. Yes. Oh, so much yes. Um... Yeah, no that 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 would be that would be the thing that stood out to me the most. I think when I got that and I was sort of holding this Italian beef sandwich and it's very meager and inadequate wrapping, and like the gravy was just like cascading over my like not just my hands but I think my entire forearm. I was like, this this is what the past three hundred odd years of American history have wrought upon us. This is the culmination, and I'm about to eat it, and I did, and. You know, I, I guess it was pretty good. I don't think I think I went to sleep straight afterward. To be honest, yeah, that's right. I just need to go over here and lie down now. I don't think my body can process this while I'm also conscious. <laughs> There's so many examples of that, though, isn't there? Just, man, I, and then they have. I mean, we think we're kings at it, but they have this propensity to deep fry stuff that, particularly, it's almost like a competition: state fair to state fair. Come and get the new deep fried whatever we've got. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, just yeah, lots lots of deep fried nonsense, lots of smoky barbecued nonsense, you know. And like they also have a um, something which Australia I don't don't think has at all, which is like they have queue culture. They are happy to line up for things. They're happy to line up mm. for a long time for things, you know. Um, I'm happy to go once in my life to you know. Austin, Texas, and queue up for an incredible beef brisket for a couple of hours. If it's like that's once, that's my you know, yes, that's my pilgrimage to um, you know Machu Picchu or something. That's I've done it, but these <laughs> yeah. people do this regularly, <laughs> and I find that yeah. very confronting. Yes, it's crazy. Australians have no patience for queues, and I think that's that's something we should be proud of as a nation, actually. Oh, except when there's a pop up in and out in Sydney or something. Yeah, that's true, actually. But uh, I don't, I don't want to associate myself with that aspect of, of Q culture. Maybe, but, but like you said, it's 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 a it's a once off kind of thing. Exactly. It's not like we have in and out all the time. It's not a reg- exactly, it's not a regular thing. You're not queuing up for several hours to get into a you know barbecue joint or something every oh, Saturday. There's so much good barbecue over there. There is, Damn. there is, not nothing quite like it. And an In-N-Out Neapolitan shake. That hits the spot. I don't think I've ever had one. So I'm going to have to take your word on it. Oh, it, I don't know what they do. I, I tried. I'm a shake connoisseur, James. You're a shake, you're a shake man. Okay. That's what my body tells me. Too many shakes, Mark. Um, and it, 
you know, I've tried everything, the gourmet things, the things in mason jars, the, all of the stuff, right? And there's just something about how they have nailed the flavours of the chocolate strawberry vanilla that when they mix them together, it is exactly like you've just taken a scoopful of Neapolitan ice cream. Those maniacs at In-N-Out, what will they think of next? Oh, Mr. In and Mr. Out, God, they, God bless them. They've nailed it. What for you is a source of strength? Um, look, I like to surround myself with people that, mm? be it family or friends, that I like a lot. I like to surround myself with people that are different and interesting. I like to surround myself with people that, that strongly disagree with me. Um, I like to surround. Myself, I find that to be a source of strength for me. Yeah. Um, I like to be challenged on things that I think and I think that's something that I, I draw strength from a lot of my closest friends for me are very very polarised for me you know politically things like that and I like that I sort of like I thrive on friendly conflict I guess you could say yeah um, I thrive on having people around me that can tell me that I'm full of shit and I can tell them they're full of shit um, yeah and and having but having that in a way that's that's supportive. You have people around you that might not agree with you, but um, are there, I find very good. That's something that I, I draw a lot of strength from, I think. Um, just having really great support networks you can have great conversations with. Um, having family. Family's great. I have a very large and very supportive family that I see quite a lot. Um, yeah, that's just my kind of like, that grounds me. Um, yes. And then from there, as long as I've got that behind me, I can kind of, I'm pretty chill about everything else, to be honest. Maybe some would say maybe too chill. I'm sure people have <laughs> said that in the past. Um, but that's just my pace, and I like it. Well, I, I guess in, in the, that framing, what one thing would you change about your life today? Um, I'd like to be living in another country. That doesn't necessarily, why don't we just. We just rhapsodized at length about the United States. But um, I'd like to be living somewhere else for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. It's not because a lot of people feel quite constrained by Australia and say they need to get out. Um, I don't think that. I don't feel constrained by Australia at all, really. I'm quite happy with it. But that's just something that I feel like I need to do relatively soon. By relatively soon, I mean, you know, I'm happy to have that happen in the next few years, maybe. Um, that's one big thing I would do. I need a big, something to uproot me, force me to sort of start again in a, um, in a sort of a connected way. I don't, obviously don't want to fake my own death and vanish, but I want to, you know, I think I'm just about ready to, for like a change of perspective on things. And that's, that's the one big thing I would change. I would change my location. Yeah. Would you change it? No, that's not the question. In changing it, would it be um, something you would seek to do regularly, or just I want to have this experience in a in a that I can then pack up in a box afterwards? Um, no, I don't think it's regularly. I don't. I don't feel that kind of agitation. Mm. I know a lot of people do. They they can't stay in one place for a long period of time. I'm quite happy to. Um, 
for me, it's just a matter of... I want to see what it would be like to sort of really cut away and sort of start somewhere that's maybe a little bit unusual. And by mm. unusual, I don't mean like crazy. I just mean, you know, somewhere that's not your standard sort of move, like moving to London or moving to New York or whatever it is. Yes. Go somewhere a little bit interesting. Try to learn another language and just get a new, new, just a reboot, a reframe on things. Sure. And I don't. I don't feel like I need to do it now. I just feel like that would be good. I think that would be a good thing for me to do that. So I probably will. Just write about it. Make some money off it. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Perfect world. But I'm happy to yeah, see right. whatever happens. How How do you feel about the public parts of your life? Um, because parts of your life are very public. Yeah, they are. I don't know. I I, I feel um I've always been someone who's quite been quite open about these things. You know, I've been mm-hmm. been quite open, whether it's through writing or social media or you know even performance and public speaking and things like that. I've always been quite open about things like that, and I'm happy to talk about whatever. Um, I guess the relationship is is that I've got a little bit of a, a, a profile, I guess you could say. Um, I, some, but not like a big one. Like, I'm not a massive mm-hmm. I'm not a public figure, really, in a massive way. But enough that, you know, people know who I am if you move in certain circles. Um, and, I don't know, I find that fine. A lot of, I don't really f- feel any... Um, uh, conflict between my public life, public profile, and the way that my life is lived normally. I, I find it a little bit, I guess, um, surreal at times. Whenever I find out that someone knows me through whatever, whatever, hmm. be it something I've written yeah. or Twitter or something like that, I'm always quite like taken aback by it because I don't really think about myself that way. And, um, I, I really only think about myself as a person who is, you know, I know the people that I know in real life and the mm. stuff on Twitter is a little bit different. It's a different thing. Um, so when they, when those two spheres kind of collide, I'm like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. Um, but I'm, I'm comfortable with it, you know. I don't, I don't lose any sleep over it. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I've miss guessed who this was weren't wasn't it you that a whole bunch of mates dressed up exactly as for like a halloween thing or to surprise you yeah that was me um that was me um because that photo didn't just do the rounds in australia no no it didn't it went uh went all over um which was did you know about that at all no, I didn't. Um, I did not know about that, actually. <laughs> um, uh, no, I think it was a very funny prank. I don't know. I still don't know what actually resonated about it, why a lot of people found it so funny. Um, I think it was because, you know, people like... I mean, I don't know. People probably like a Halloween story that's a, a, related to a costume that's not um, about something, someone wearing something racist. Like it's so it's so yes. rare to get big stories yeah. 
that are funny about like costuming or Halloween costumes that are like I don't know. I'm gonna say positive. I'm not gonna. I, I wasn't particularly positive for me, but um, <laughs> some people obviously got a kick out of it, and I don't begrudge them for it. But, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I found that really funny, and I guess there was a point where I saw when that was all kind of happening, where I was like, you know, shit. Um, I'm. I like to be. I like to be funny, but I also like to like write seriously and I do write serious stuff and I was like is this is this just my thing now is that like what people will know before yes um, which is the answer is yes but <laughs> um, I actually don't once I thought about it for more than 10 seconds I was like you know I don't really care when it comes down to it um, I can still do serious writing and have that happen that's fine um, <laughs> and it's it's funny I find it funny I find it funny when people bring it up now it's quite rare like i think people they forget about it and then they remember when certain you know when it pops up again you know every now and then it was it was a couple of years ago now wasn't it no it was just last year it was last really yeah yeah time flies how about it um it was yeah it was last last halloween because the photo that they were imitating was taken when i was in america which which was definitely last year um yeah that's oh man so you just see it pop up on on social media and go what? Yeah, it comes it comes up every now and again, um, and it's just like it was funny. Every now and again, I'll explain it to someone for whatever reason. I don't t- I don't tend to just say it to people because you know mm. it's something that I'm happy to allow to you know vegetate in the background of my life until it get, get until it gets pulled out. Um, hmm. But you know I um I can't remember why well why it came up, but I was on a press trip the other week. And I met like a journalist from America, and someone else in the Australian contingent brought it up. And this American was like, "Oh, that was you. That was you. I remember that. I remember that happening." And that's quite absurd to me. That you know, we we forget about this. Sort of like, but that is a hundred percent out of the cultural memory now. Obviously, it was out of the cultural memory two days after it happened. <laughs> but when it comes up, people are always like, "Oh yeah, I remember that thing that went viral for a day." You know, mm. they crossed my feet a couple of times that day. I remember that, and that was you. Great. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's funny how it rears its head. It's a hell of a fifteen seconds, like because it was like you said, it was a positive thing. It was a fun thing. Uh, there, at least on the surface level that I saw it, there appeared to be no malice in it. No, it, it's just a bunch of friends that thought, "Hey, let's all dress up like James for Halloween and put a photo out there and surprise James and." We're having a great time, yeah, so exactly. yeah, I hope you're that's, having a good time. That's great. Yeah, no, it's always one of the, some of the comments that were like, you know, a lot of the comments that came up when they got posted wherever. People were like, oh wow, you know, your friends must really like you, like you, they must really respect you. And I'm like, how unusual. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but you know, <laughs> they certainly thought about me for twenty minutes or so. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Long enough for everybody to get the same shirt. Look, you know, I've, I don't want to even speculate on how much effort went into getting, you know, 15-odd grey singlets. Probably, oh, it'd be crazy amounts, right? Probably, Seriously. I can't even imagine it. To get to get 15 Bond singlets would be would take somebody at least an hour out of their day to sort that out. Um, and for that, I, I, I can't say how grateful I am that someone thought about me for that long. 
we're we're almost at the one year anniversary of it. It, it feels like something should happen yeah. to to remember the moment. Um, I hopefully hopefully nothing. I mean, like, <laughs> flash mob at Circular Key. Yeah, who knows? Um, you know, a lot of people they'll you know whenever I um, a photo of me pops up. Well, I was gonna. I'm never. I'm very very rarely wearing anything unusual, but a photo of me will pop up, and you know people will go, "Well, you know, Halloween 2016 will be an easy." Easy costume. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think that the joke lasts that long, but to each their own. Gosh. It would be so great if they did it again this year. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> I I can't imagine it have the same reach, but, um, you know, I'm happy to, to ride that train again. But it's it's like any kind of comedy thing, right? It's funny at first, and then you keep repeating, and it gets stupid. But then, if you keep repeating, it gets really funny again. Exactly. So maybe, but this is a long game they're playing, James. <laughs> um, uh, that's fine. Uh, maybe by the time it's Halloween twenty thirty or something, and they're oh gosh, they're wearing. See, that's that's just a BuzzFeed post waiting to happen. Yeah, because it's like fifteen things. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll make sure I clue them in. I'll clue BuzzFeed in on <laughs> on uh, what the what I'm planning to wear. In 2030. <laughs> they won't need the help. No, true. It'd probably be very similar to what I'm wearing now, so there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a clue for them. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months, Mr. Hennessy? Um, I don't know. I'm quite content where I am professionally. I'd mm-hmm. like to write more again. Um, one thing that I found is that when... And when you... When I've moved into a full-time job working in media in an editorial yeah. role, the drive to write outside those boundaries essentially evaporates. Um, and lots of people that I talk to have the same thing. You know, It's always a matter of, when you go to a, a job, you always ask, or at least I do when, I, when I'm looking at a job like this, I always ask, you know, am I allowed to freelance in the interview? I'll always ask something like that. Am I allowed to write somewhere else? Am I allowed to write? You know, mm. some, obviously, some publications are a bit, you know, um, uh, uncomfortable with that for whatever reason. Um, and uh, this one was fine. You know, when I started working production, it was like, fine, you can freelance whatever you want. Great. Um, but every single time it's like this, it's just um, you lose the drive to do it. Um, it's just like a kind of... Mm-hmm spiritual exhaustion in a way like you just i just can't corral the motivation and yeah. like part of that comes from the fact that i'm not freelancing anymore i don't need to like pump out hot takes to make sure i have food or rest yes. so so yes. there's, there's definitely like a death drive thing going on there but also it's just like i i write nine to five yeah or you know six to two as is my actual situation. Um, and uh, so when I get home, I'm more likely to you know do something else. So the next 12 months, I see myself continuing with what I'm doing, but like hopefully getting back on that wagon, mm-hmm. rehitching that wagon and putting out some stuff, you know, returning to um, doing stuff that's a little bit longer and more in-depth, which is what I used to do before. Um, and I've got places where I can do that, so which is which is always nice. Um, and I would like to do that. 
So for me, it's just a matter of getting back into it. Hey, James. Mm. Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today, man. Please know the things that you've said are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you so much, man. Cheers, mate. Very clearly, you are um, a tweeting person. Are there other social accounts you would want people to know about? Um, I don't really have any other ones. Uh, my, well, I do put my... This is... I don't know if it's really social, but I, I do have a, a Medium account where I post my longer form stuff. Um, which, sure. which is the same, J.I. Hennessy. Um, and I also have, I do have an Instagram as well, which is the same, J.I. Hennessy. But I don't think anyone would find particularly, anything particularly exciting there. I'm not an accomplished photographer, and my Instagrams tend to be pretty crap. But if you want to look at them, <laughs> feel free to do so. I think you just described 95% of Instagram. Well, you know, I'm happy to consider myself among the 95%. We are the 95%. We are the 95%. The blurry Instagrams, the photo of a single beer on a table, you know. Yeah, with some filter that's supposed to make it look good that doesn't really help. Or yeah. if you're like me, no idea how to colour correct anything or make it black and white but have this colour show up only. I don't know how that works. Look, it's, there are people who are paid money to do that and that's their thing and that's fine by me. It's just not mine. This has been Humans of Twitter and I can confirm that at JR Hennessy is indeed human. <laughs>